Hello, my darlings, and welcome back to Radio Wasteland. I hope you're having a good week. Hope you're having a good day. Hopefully a better day than I'm having. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell right you. Right off the bat here. I'll tell you why in a second. But, uh, <laughs> you know, our, our guest tonight is Costa McCreese. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I think I am. I, I researched my pronunciation there. And I... And I'm looking forward to this. He seems like a positive guy, you know. Um, he's got a group, ET Let's Talk, and from what I understand, it's a group of people who get together and try to mentally, uh, you know, telepathically communicate with the stars. Yeah. So as I mean, you do when you get together, right? As people do, yeah. right? That and coffee, <laughs> yeah. And but he seems like a very positive guy. I've I've talked to him, and so part of the reason why my day is so. Insert expletive here is I tried to get away from this for years. You know, um, I have been told since I gained back my baby fat that I look like Al Borland from Home Improvement. I wish I could say something witty, but I, in true fashion, do not know who that is. I think he's like the top left square on... uh, Hollywood Squares, you know, Al okay. Borland, Richard Karn, <laughs> you know, pre-Steve Harvey on the uh, well, Family Feud. Uh, I'm sure our listeners here are just laughing uproariously. At this. Well, I had avoided this for quite some time. Uh, great, the producer yeah. brought up a uh, video. <laughs> brought up some uh, Google yeah. images. All right, <laughs> I am now up to speed, so Thanks. please continue. So I had avoided this for a couple of years, you know, and... Um, because I guess it had fallen out of favor, but it must have come back on at Nick at night or something. Because on my way here, I'm picking up a coffee, and the guy goes, you know, and I, I think he's going to say, you look familiar to me. Because I go in there every week, and I'm going to be oh yeah, man, I come in here every week. But no, he doesn't say that. He's all, you know, this week you look a lot like Tim the Toolman Taylor's sidekick, you know. And I'm just all, oh, God, <laughs> this is terrible. I thought I'd escape this, you know? So that's what ruined your day. Yeah, but it did come back around because he did say something very funny. He's all, well, you think you'd play that up? And I'm all, to what end? You know, (laughs) (laughs) to what end exactly am I going to play this up? And uh, he's just, and I'm just all like, there's no like money in it. How am I going to make any money? And I'm all, it was worse when I was younger. And he's just all, yeah, yeah, but you should have played it up when you were younger, you know, when you're single and dating. And I'm just all, I really don't think that's going to help <laughs> in the young single dating department to look like basically a guy who was 15 years older than me at the time that was probably not exactly a prime chunk of man real estate in the dating world. Hmm. Well, you know, there is a alert. Celebrity, you know, it's, there's something to be said for that. Yeah, attraction. yeah. There's also, if, if that's the case, there's something to be said for humanity. If celebrity is so great that that people are just all like, you know, I'm I'm a punk fan. So if like people are just all, oh, you look like Joey Ramone, that's great. That's not great. You don't want to look like Joey Ramone. That's not great. But you could still certainly attract, you know, amorous encounters. Through the power of such celebrities, you think so? You think? Oh, I-, I think so. I think there's people who are into novelty, and you know, they'll well, more to the point, they'll just want to have a story. Right? You think I could go out looking like Forrest Whitaker, and girls would just be all, "Ooh, he looks like Forrest Whitaker." And well, all our no, friends not would be exactly. All, Girl, you need to get him <laughs> while you can. <laughs> I think it's possible. 
you know, maybe ironically. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, yeah. Great, great. I want to be the novelty date. <laughs> Nothing gets you a second date like being the novelty. I, I understand your frustration. <laughs> you know, when I was younger. I'm trying to make the best of the situation here. Right, right. When I was younger, as a, as a teenager, I was told I looked like Corey Feldman. Which at the time was actually kind of good. Now yeah. it's not really a great thing to be related to. Well, they would just say I look like young Corey Feldman. Yeah, Feldman. yeah. Lost Boys Corey Feldman. I feel good about. Right. With, but, which is okay. I, I mean. guess so. I guess. So how was your day? Uh, no one compared me to any celebrities. Mm. So I guess you would call that okay. Do you ever get compared to a celebrity? Oh, okay. Um... um no, no, not really. I, I feel like, shoot, what's that guy from Independence Day, the nerdy scientist, the guy who played that guy? Well, there's a couple of them. Are you talking about the guy who played Data? Uh, no, I am not. This could go on for, for a good amount of time. Nerdy scientist from Independence Day. Yeah. All right. I'm going to have to look that one up. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'm pretty excited. You know, we we last week we were talking to um, what was MJ Benias last week? Yeah, that's correct. I think it was, and we were talking about the two different types of UFO researchers. There, I don't even know if researcher is the right word. Uh, UFO enthusiasts, in, involvalists. Yeah. Um, and and how there were the guys who were collecting data and comparing data, very uh, spreadsheet-oriented, mm-hmm. you know, MUFON style. Sure. And then there are the guys who are a little more spiritual, the right. guys who are making mental connections, telepathic connections, um, you know, who have answers that, that we have a hard time, um, you know, wrapping our – brains around if if we're not connected on that level basically people who it takes a little bit of a leap of faith and that's who we're having on tonight and tonight we're we're definitely having one of one of those uh, and i think it's easy for people to knock these attitudes down we very much live in a world now where people are if i can't touch it it's not real if i can't sure. understand it then it's not real yeah which, you know, is interesting from a historical perspective, because that attitude's 100, 150 years old, something like that. You know, for most of human history, you couldn't understand the sun. Right. You know, and it was right there. You couldn't understand anything around you. It was all magic. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably started to die off in the Renaissance and during right. the second well, industrial I, I, renaissance is what really killed it. Yeah, I, I would say definitely the industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. You know, for for the majority of people, even in the hundred years between the renaissance and then, you know, it was still probably mostly magic. Right, and now we're left with this this battle between science and faith, even though right. um, science and faith themselves are not actually in opposition to one another. No. But it seems that their fan bases sure seem to be. Yeah, well, I do think most of us are hardwired for, to live in a world that we don't understand. And that, you know, the amount of understanding we've arrived at in this modern day is unanticipated by evolution and has driven us some, some of us a little crazy, perhaps. Well, I, I, I think you're right. I think, um, you know, a, a part of my 
um, lack of contentment in this world probably stems from a lack of faith. You know, I don't, I don't have much faith in, in my world. Um, and I'm, yeah. I'm not applying that to me or to like, will I get my paycheck? I just mean I don't have much faith right. in uh, a spiritual on a spiritual sense. level. On yeah, I don't I don't really have much right. of that, and I'm always impressed with with people who are, for lack of a better word, down to earth, while having a deep faith or or spiritual attitude. I I uh, as I've gotten older, I've definitely changed my attitudes towards these people. Yeah, and so I'm very excited to. Uh, hear what Costa has to say tonight. You are listening to Radio Wasteland, and when we come back, we have our guest, Costa Lucrece. Ten times its size and density should have been pulverized by that atomic barrage, but it wasn't. All right, and welcome back to Radio Wasteland, and we are here with our guest. Let's see if I say this correctly, Costa Macris. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Uh, very well done. All right. I, well, I researched it online. I looked at your other <laughs> at your other radio appearances and and waited till I heard somebody pronounce it and you not argue with them. That's like seventy percent of the research on this show, which is <laughs> making sure you can say the person's name without embarrassing yourself. Well, it is. That's important. <laughs> you know, uh, people's names are their, you know, especially in the world of authors and and. You know, all these things that we do, a radio show host, you know, these names are our brand. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. Just fun fact about the biz. It's all about saying people's names right. <laughs> so, Costa, um, I'm really happy that uh, you agreed to be on the show with us. Uh, I'm really kind of excited about this. I've done a lot of, you know, looking you up and, and reading about your stuff. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about, let's start with etletstalk.com. Can you tell us what this website is all about? bet it's um and and by the way thank you for having me on the show it, it's a pleasure i um yes i founded the etletstalk.com uh, community and website in 2013 although i had i had done uh preliminary work in the et contact field uh, since 2006 <clears throat> prior to that so currently what is etletstalk.com what is the community we are uh, about 11,000 people who um, are in about 100 countries or more around the world. And what we do is something that's really, really unique in the field of ufology, which I'm sure many of your listeners are, are familiar with. Absolutely. And that is that we use uh, certain protocols, which sounds really fancy, but it really boils down to uh, sitting in a circle, getting quiet with our minds and uh, joining with those around us and around the world and, and using visualization and our thought and open hearts to reach out to the ET civilizations that uh, we know from experience um, are here and visiting the Earth. And that's what's really unique is uh, we establish a bilateral communication with them instead of uh, the typical thing, which is you wait passively maybe all your life or if you're lucky more than one time in your life, and you, you might have a UFO encounter that, that you subsequently determined was pretty legitimate. And that's a very cool thing. There are likely millions of people that have had that. But at etletstalk.com, we take it a step further, which is we use this protocol of being proactive uh, and initiating the contact, and then we find that uh, we can, uh, and we train uh, our people to recognize 
how the um, ET response, and I prefer to call them star friends, by the way, and, and I don't like the term alien, and, and neither do they, by the way, and they've told us that many times. Um, but they will respond, and they do respond, and we have lots of evidence of that uh, throughout our network and throughout the many years that we've been doing this. And so it's a really exciting thing where uh, here we are in this community uh, becoming what I like to call cosmic humanity with very, very simple tools to reach out and make connection with these civilizations. And that, we believe, is the next step in our spiritual, technological, uh, whatever um, evolution that we're going to take on this planet. And that's all assuming that we don't destroy the, destroy the planet, but that's a whole other story where there's many people working that we know of you know, to, to avoid that. And you don't hear enough about all the good people out there who are banding together to, to make sure that humans have a future um, in order to be able to reach out to the stars in a, in a more fuller way like what the community is doing today. So we're pretty confident that, um, uh, or I, I would even say cautiously optimistic, you know, none of us is wearing rose-colored glasses, but we're cautiously optimistic that humans can uh, go ahead and survive our, the worst of our lower natures here, solve many of our problems, and then continue to reach out in greater numbers over time uh, to the cosmic civilizations. And there are many of them from what we've learned uh, that, that are here and who are willing and joyful to engage with us, to talk with us. And, of course, the kind of one of the end games, um, well, no, I should say the end game, although there's much more beyond that, is for full open disclosure to happen. And we can talk about that more as we get into this because disclosure is, is the hot button, the hot topic Absolutely. Um, within the UFO community. So, these so we communi- are actively working towards that. These communications, um, would you classify these communications as like um, as telepathic, as remote viewing, or as spiritual? All of the above. Um, what I like to do when I instruct people in the use of the protocol is to alert them to the fact that we have found our, our star friends, uh, the RET friends, are very creative you will get, and, and I've gotten telepathic messages, many people I know have. Um, they've been communicated with in lucid dreams. They might get a touch on the shoulder or the knee in, in a way that there's nobody around you. There might be weird electrical phenomenon like smartphones just turning on when the power is off and playing some kind of cosmic song. Uh, there are also the typical things, which are sightings. You know, there's lights in the sky doing uh, strange movements and flashing back when we communicate with them, and, and also we have uh, flyovers, the typical kind of thing where they are seen in their light ships um, while people are traveling in cars or they're in their backyard and they will get a low flyover of a craft from their house. So that's why I say it's, this is um, a range of responses, and we are all uh, alert to the fact that we never know quite how the response will be, but at least if we have an open mind, then we're more likely to find uh, 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 that we have made some kind of communication and is, we can, can keep pursuing it that way. Is this maybe because, um, like you were saying, there are multiple types of extraterrestrials and maybe some communicate telepathically, some communicate spiritually, and and as you reach out in all these different ways, you're maybe getting different responses because of the different ways that they communicate? I think that's a really, uh, that's a really fair thing to say. 
and I agree with it. And, you know, on top of that, you, you have to f- figure that we human beings are pretty varied, right? Um, I know many people who have psychic gifts. Some may be uh, clairvoyant, some may be clairaudient. I, for example, am clairaudient. Um, other I'm not sure what clairaudient be- is. Can you explain that to me? Um, for each of the uh, five normal human senses, like touch, taste, smell, uh, sight, and sound, there's a higher correspondence in a psychic realm to that sense. So someone who is clairvoyant is someone who may be using the sense of sight to be able to see, see. either internally or externally uh, places and events that are not like literally in front of their physical eyes. Someone who's clairaudient, like myself, will hear uh, certain voices that you are clearly not mine and that I can converse with if I really develop it. Uh, and this, again, doesn't apply just to me, but to, to anybody in general, a clear audience. So these higher psychic senses, um, yes, uh, they exist in humans, and none, no two of us humans are the same. So one person may, it's kind of like the, the, the blind man and the elephant. There may be a, a UFO there in the room in the vicinity. Five different people in your group who are sitting out there making the contact may have five different sensation perceptions. Um, of that Uh, and you know you may agree on certain ones and then someone may get something that somebody else doesn't get and the cool thing about our group work is that when you are uh, in a really really cohesive state with with a great group as you have some kind of an experience and each of you report to each other what you're getting then then there's a synergy there where uh, each jigsaw piece that a person brings to that experience can be put together with the person next to them and the other person and get a bigger and a more complete picture of, of what the phenomenon is uh, uh, in contrast to what just one person may get with so, their more limited uh, view. So due so, to the nature of the communication, um, it's still somewhat of a puzzle, the message that you're getting. It's not like you're getting a straight answer. In Not that the answer is not straight, but... But due to the nature of the communication, there is some um, uh, interpretation is necessary. You know, and again, that rages in the con- uh, uh, there's a whole continuum there. Uh, you'll find that I'm that I say that a lot when you make some kind of an assertion or ask a question, and I'm not trying to dodge it. The truth is that uh, there is a continuum as an answer to many of the questions that you pose. And again, it's because of the variety of civilizations that are here and the variety of human beings who can react to them and to the variety of experiences that they are available. So again, it, it is a continuum. You know, I've, I've had teams, um, uh, well, let me back up. What we do is, um, and have done since 2010, is we hold what I call the, the Global CE5 Initiative. Now, CE5 is Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. And what that means is those are human-initiated encounters, um, and they're bilateral because it, uh, you know, both ends of the uh, communication link there communicate with each other. So that's CE5. And since 2010, I have chosen, just as an example to bring the community together, a, a certain Saturday every month, and we've been doing this now almost seven years, where our entire community gets together in a virtual way because we are scattered all over the globe during a 24-hour period. And it's a Saturday that I usually choose, or I always choose, because it's nearest to the new moon, and that means we have a dark sky for the people that 
love to see the lights in the sky. And so as a group, month after month after month, since 2010, we've been joining with each other in in imagination during this 24-hour period to enhance the power of the group field of the community and to make a united approach and request for ET, for our star friends to show up in all the places that it's possible and and in all the ways that it's possible for them to do for each of the groups. Well, uh, uh, one second, let me catch you off there. I I get reports. One second, let me catch you off there. Uh, We're coming up on break. We're going to pick this up when we come back. You're listening to Radio Wasteland with Costa McCreese. All right, and welcome back to Radio Wasteland with our guest, Costa McCrease. Hey, um, <clears throat> so, Costa, we were talking about how there's a lot of different types of civilizations out there. Are there ones that we know better than others? Uh, that's a, a good question. Um, and, it, again, it depends on who you talk to. There are um, what we call contactees or of experiencers, uh, likely thousands of them uh, throughout the world, who have had more than just a casual contact with these civilizations. So, the, again, depending on who you talk to, they they may have formed a um, a deeper, more enduring, long term relationship with whoever they're in contact with than others. So, again, that's a, a kind of a, a continuum kind of question. Um, it, it is all over the map. Um, you know, life is incredibly d- diverse, and that certainly holds true for the um, the types of lives that are that are visiting us and the types of relationships that that, that they form with people. I'm um, I'm a. I have to admit that I got into a lot of this stuff uh, as a kid because I was a horror movie fan, and that's where my imagination started going. So I always got to ask the scary question. Are there any out there that we need to fear, like with nefarious intent? I think there, I think there are, uh, but I think they're pretty much in the past. Um, again, this is a very hot topic in the field. Negative ETs versus positive ETs is one way to put that. Um, I believe that historically there have been a mix of motives and races or rather uh, civilizations, that have visited the Earth. And I believe just recently many of the, um, what we would call the service-to-self civilizations, have been kind of escorted and asked to leave, uh, or actually probably more escorted, um, away from the Earth. They've kind of had their day to to interfere in our affairs. And, you know, and, and again, that's a long story that we ha- we don't have enough time to get into but but I will just say that uh, there has been positive and negative influence here um, as well as not only the service to self but the service to other type of races but what I would stress right now is that in the recent past my information is that the service to others races have shown up in far far greater numbers with far far greater influence and have neutralized the effect of the service to self ones and, again, escorted them away from here because the thing is that uh, humans should be left to evolve on our own now with the help of, of the benevolent ETs 
uh, to do something fantastic with our civilization. Uh, you know as well as I do that the history of humans on Earth has been pretty horrible, uh, occasionally marked by you know, great moments. series of renaissance <laughs> and wonderful things. And, right. and I'm an optimist, and I'm all for that. <clears throat> and I think we're in a period right now where the influence of the negative races has been uh, extremely erased. And so we're going to be left to kind of do our own thing with the help of the benevolent races here that that are waiting for us to um, to communicate with them. They will not do our work for us, is what they say. They're, they're not to be looked at as, as gods. But what they have said is um, to look at them as elder brothers, sisters, and cousins, like family, and that they're lending a hand when we ask, and when it doesn't infringe on our, our free will. So they're there to, to give that helping hand, but we've got to do a lot of the, the heavy lifting, you know, as humans, to get along, to... to uh, to fix all the things that we've messed up on the earth and for the things that we can't fix because the, the problems have just grown too big um, the ET races have said that they will lend a hand with those because they have technologies and experience um, in those larger areas that maybe we do not and in fact that's probably how they learned it they, they survived their own basic instincts on the planets where they came from to be able to launch into the stars and and to help other civilizations. So the so, assumption is that we're not the first civilization that they're helping oh, to do this. Oh, not by any means. You know what? As astronomers with the um, all the space telescopes that are going up there are discovering almost every week more and more exoplanets, you know, and, and, and now the life is everywhere. I think that life is the rule rather than the exception. And you know, it doesn't I, have to always look like us. I, I very much um, agree with that. I, you know, I do this radio show. I deal with a lot of paranormal topics, a lot of um, mysteries, legends, so on and so forth. And and I find them all incredibly interesting. I I really enjoyed my guests' um, stories, and I don't mean stories in fictitious ways. I mean stories, their life stories. Mm-hmm. But um, the one thing that I am totally positive of is that somewhere out there, there's life. And that is the one thing that, uh, being that I am, you know, somewhat skeptical in general, you know, I like to learn and take in the information and, and mm-hmm. process it with everything else. But that is the one thing that is without a doubt. And frankly, I think within my lifetime, we're going to find that out. I think we are, too. Uh, personally, I think it's a matter of a few years rather than a few decades and certainly not a few centuries. We're really on the cusp. I mean... It, as I have for many years have listened to the experiences, the sky is full of civilizations visiting us here. Unless I want to believe that hundreds, if not thousands of people that are in my community are all lying to me, you know, month after month, day after day, as they're making contact. Now, could they be mistaken about some kinds of things? You bet. We're humans. But course, as time yeah. goes on and we teach each other in this, uh, in the etletstalk.com community, how to recognize what's terrestrial and what's known, let's say, versus what's totally unknown and then maybe communicate with the unknown part, then we're getting better at all of this. And we're finding that, um, like I was alluding to earlier with our Global CE5 initiative, month after month, people are sending me reports and putting them up on the um, etletstalk.com website talking about the experience they had that month. And again, those experiences range from, from dreams to telepathic messages the literal flyovers of craft where you can actually see the hardware with the rotating lights and beaming down 
some light and things like that. It, it's just amazing. So how are we not to believe that in our short-term future, they will not come forward when they can, when it's safe for all of us to meet us and to bring all kinds of technologies that, that will seem miraculous to us. Um, that's what I'm working towards myself um, and, and within my community. So and I call that the People's Disclosure Movement. Do you think uh, the government knows? Oh, I, I'm sure a lot of governments know. They've been lying and covering up for decades. And, you know, besides, show me in any other arena, not just the UFO field, and, and maybe I'm speaking more about the U.S. right now because, admittedly, I haven't lived in other countries to know what people think about their governments, although I do read a lot and I get a sense of that. But how many of us trust anything governments tell us these days? I mean, really? Oh, totally. 10%, 15% on this, on that. I would so say 50% we, of the people don't trust 50% of the government, and the other 50% don't trust the other 50% of the government. We're so <laughs> separated down the middle here. Yeah, yeah, we're in that too. Um, but as far as the UFO thing, you know, they're... Um, the cover-up's been there, and my my thing is to give people the tools in the ET Let's Talk community, and it's part of the People's Disclosure Movement, so that we can make our own disclosure, rather than waiting as we have for decades with bated breath for a government to make some announcement, you know, for a president or a prime minister somewhere or a fearless leader somewhere else to make the big announcement that they're here and then all of us can breathe a sigh of relief or freak out or whatever we're going to do, that hasn't happened. There's been some leaking, and people talk about slow disclosure versus full disclosure, um, but I'm all about bypassing that. And again, uh, well, I, I honor all the people who have taken the path of trying to get governments to disclose. There's a lot of good people that have done different things to get that announcement to happen. And they're going to keep trying, and I hope they succeed. But I'm not waiting for that, and that's why in my community, in the People's Disclosure Movement, it's exactly what it says, the people disclosing, as we teach each other how to sit in our backyards or in our favorite place in nature with our friends and make our own contact, we're disclosing right there, you know? Yeah. And when enough of us have done that by the millions, then the fear of E.T., which has been instilled in us, by Hollywood and by a lot of books, and maybe rightfully so in some cases with some really bad races that have been here. But in general, let's look at the positive side and realize that as we make our own disclosure, we'll find that we have a wonderful cosmic community that's here and willing to embrace us if we'll just drop our fear, drop our antagonism towards them, try not to shoot them down, and then and work with them. And I totally believe in an optimistic way that um, in the people's disclosure movement we're doing that every day so so we're, we're disclosing ourselves and we're taking our power back from the governments and the other authoritarian institutions that have told us nothing to see here move right along move right along well we're well, coming a up lot to see here i'm telling you and we're not moving right along we're <laughs> we're, we're growing the network and someday there'll be a tipping point. Well, we're coming up on our final break here. We'll be back. You're listening to Costa McCreese on Radio Wasteland. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland. And we're here with our guest, Costa McCreese. And we're talking about communicating with the intergalactic civilizations of ETs. Um, 
you know, I gotta, I gotta hit this question with you real quick. I'm, you know, I want to get back to what you're talking about, but why would the government keep this from us? That's a complicated answer, but um, I would say at the core of a lot of it is the question, or rather the answer to, how are they getting here? Okay, if you know anything about astronomy, and many of us do something, there are vast distances, and within the kinds of lifetimes, uh, lifespans that humans have, star travel is impossible, you know, uh, you know uh, unless you go multi-generational. Somehow these civilizations have figured out how to do faster-than-light travel, interdimensional. People use a lot of terms. And others have said that what they're using is uh, free energy, uh, which, comes, uh, which is zero-point energy. That also goes by different names. Now, why would uh, a method of propulsion that involves free energy from, the, let's say, the quantum field of space, the quantum vacuum of space that's limitless, uh, again, free, doesn't pollute. Why would that interest anybody on Earth? Well, think about the fossil fuel industry. Think about the military-industrial complex. Think about all the wars that have been fought for resources to get someone else's energy out of their ground. So it's the uh, typical sands, whatever. It's the it typical human answer that it's money and power. Pardon? It's the typical human answer that it's money and power. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's greed and power. The um, the free energy that we're told that these civilizations can bring us would would radically change the structure of of our of our world for the better. Um, half the world goes to bed hungry, not knowing where their next meal is going to come from the next day. With a free energy economy all over the world, you could grow your food, power your car, power your home, your community, your buildings, your schools your entire civilization with energy that's abundant, free, and without pollution. Uh, you wouldn't be destroying the Earth's um, ecosphere. The military-industrial complex would not be sending your sons and daughters to war to fight over oil somewhere else, and we know that goes on. The people who've been starving are not anymore. Uh, you know, you can go on and on and, and en envision a restructuring of human civilization because of free energy. Uh, think of the um, the creativeness, the creativity of the um, of the human spirit. Um, perhaps you would only have to work ten hours out of a forty-hour work week um, as things get restructured. And I'm not saying I know all the details of how that would happen. I'm just saying it would be a radical restructure. And pretty much, if it's handled intelligently, it can only be for the betterment of the individual and for the betterment of all our societies. So as a creative human being, you could be spending more of your time learning to dance, to sing, to play an instrument, to write that novel you've been waiting to, to write, to go exploring, to travel, instead of working in a survival job or instead of, as half the planet I mentioned, is looking at the mud at their feet instead of at the stars and wondering which child they're going to lose the next day or where their next food's going to come from. It yeah, is well, amazing how humans will be liberated Costa, when the fossil fuel game is over and if we have that kind of energy. And that's just one thing. Don't even mention the, uh, the medical technologies that these civilizations can bring that will, uh, that will cure cancer at the DNA level and uh, other diseases that, that have decimated human uh, populations. It goes on and on and on. And what I'm saying is we humans can be participants with this. We're not going to look at these, at these civilizations as gods coming to save us, but no, we're, we're really 
equals, they're, they are just a bit further down the road in terms of their, um, their science, their technologies, their spiritual evolution, and they have something to teach us, and they want to do that. So it's up to us to, to join and, and kind of create what I call uh, a golden age on Earth. And you've got to start somewhere, and it won't happen overnight, but a lot of people would welcome the opportunity, and free energy is something that uh, certainly would be at the core of all that. Well, you That's absolutely had me a 10-hour work week. <laughs> Pardon? Yeah. You absolutely had me a 10-hour work week. As soon as you yeah. said that, I'm just, oh, I'm on board, you know. This is this so is happening. <laughs> so um, how, how do these, um, you describe them as circles, but I, I imagine that they happen in, in several different ways. But how often do you do this? How often do you get together with the members of ET Let's Talk and 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 attempt to communicate? Our members are doing this every day. We have hundreds of people every day, every week. Um, all you have to do is have a safe, quiet place, um, either in nature or your backyard. Um, now, what I describe that we do monthly is just my attempt to bring the community together once a month in a virtual way so that, you know, though, though most of us will never meet each other, at least in our imaginations, we, we do join during that once a month. But I'm, uh, I tell you, I, I live on my email and on social media, and I'm getting reports every day from people doing their things. And also I'm encouraging people to form their own networks. I want to be made obsolete. You know, I don't want to be the only person doing that, but I have found that many people uh, step up. They start forming their own networks and educating others and getting on social media, and that's how the network will grow. And that's what I'm encouraging, is, uh, is people to be doing this all the time. Because look at the future we can have. Um, I, I, I want to empower people, and I think this is one of those empowering types of things that will have huge ramifications for the whole planet as we engage and be, uh, with our star friends and become more cosmic humanity. But again, it's a numbers game. A lot of more of us have to keep doing this. And that's why I'm working night and day to increase the contact that's being made by our teams, increase uh, the number of countries where we have teams. I want to have teams in every city. Uh, I'll tell you what, I get people writing me all the time saying, hey, I'm in the middle of Latvia here. Is there anyone I can join with? And much of the time I have to, have to sadly say, no, we're not that big enough yet. There's no one near you, but come to the website. And by the way, I want to encourage your listeners to, to join for free. Uh, absolutely. We're coming up on the end of the show, and so uh, now is definitely the time to um, tell our listeners all they can about finding out more about this and how they can be a part of it and join you in your mission. Absolutely. Yes, like I said, uh, you can join for free at etletstalk.com. You'll get uh, monthly announcements of our, um, of our uh, virtual ET contact events. We have free webinars, our esteemed... Um, Lawyer friend and, and activist uh, Danny Sheehan has been doing webinars with me for, for uh, two years, and he's all about cosmic humanity, so we have fascinating webinars with him. We also have ET contact retreats. I'm holding one for uh, five days in Bloomington, Indiana, um, this, um, this September 15th, and again in Joshua Tree, California, um, October, I should have said September, uh, September 17th, and then October 15th in Joshua Tree, California. And this is where we, where we meet face-to-face in small group and, and uh, make our contact under the stars and also teach some classes about psychic development. So there, and, and also I would, would like to say that we have the, the, the Global CE5 member map where you can ask me to 
put a marker on the map for you as an individual or as a, as a group, and other people will see you and uh, be able to contact you to, to get together in your city uh, to do this contact. So there's, there's, um, th- this is all about community, and I'm trying as much as I can to connect people visually, on social media, through email, uh, being kind of like a cosmic matchmaker because the power is in our synergy. And so many people contact me who say, you know, I've had this interest since I was a child, but my partner, my wife, my my kids, my parents, my friends don't understand. They think I'm weird or I'm crazy. Uh, where can I find someone who's like-minded? And that's why they show up at the website, and that's why I really enjoy connecting them when I can to someone that's nearby or at least on social media so that they no longer have to feel alone. Everybody can tell their story and have a safe place to be who they are with these experiences instead of being the weirdo in the group. Well, I've really enjoyed talking to you, Costa, and we will definitely do our best to push people towards you and etletstalk.com. I've really enjoyed having you on, and thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you very much, too. I, I always appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. All right, you've been listening to Costa McCrease on Radio Wasteland. Thank you. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland. You've been listening to uh, our guest, Costa McCrease. Um, you know, I, I thought of a lot of stuff while listening to him. We have such a short amount of time with our guests that... We could have talked to him for a long time. We could have talked to him for an absolutely long time. And, uh, you know, some of the things I didn't want to bring up because maybe he wasn't familiar with them. Um, but you like to read. Sure. Have you ever read Childhood's End? Yes. Uh, it definitely gave me a Childhood's End kind of vibe. Yeah, kind of. You know, that that the aliens are here to help us. They're, they're positive and we might mm-hmm. find it a little scary and the changes that may come of it are scary. Right. But that they're here to help usher in the new age. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's – it. it's so easy to make the aliens being evil the conflict totally. in any piece of fiction featuring aliens. Same goes for, you know, artificial intelligence and, and any number of other things. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, people like uh, conflict in their stories, you know. <laughs> well, ex- well, it's practically a necessity, you know. Think of how many awesome fictional dystopias there are now. Think of how many awesome fictional utopias there are. Totally. You know, it's, it's unbalanced. All the great ones ended up being dystopias we didn't exactly. know Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I think um, Aldous Huxley called Brave New World a utopia, but, you know, he, he was being ironic. Right, or H.G. Uh, Wells' Time Machine. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Because those were both secretly a dystopia. Otherwise, there's no story. The right. only unironic utopias I can think of are not really stories. They're philosophical tracts by, you know, some author right. showing how wonderful the world would be if people behaved in such and such a way. Right. So You know, the the other story that and I'm not trying to be insulting by comparing him to stories, but you know, science fiction authors yeah. and creators have always it is our standard of, for comparison. For, for comparison, yeah, yeah. For um, most of what we cover on the show. <laughs> is a C.S. Lewis The Space Trilogy. Did you ever mm, No, I'm not as familiar, though C.S. Lewis, I 
I can only assume there are Christian and humanistic themes. Uh, absolutely. It was the last uh, <laughs> series of books that he wrote before he died. And um, mm. and it was basically about the idea that, that there are extraterrestrial spirit beings um, around planets and that Earth had lost theirs, basically – um, and the main character travels to another planet, Mars, where he meets these beings and they hadn't lost theirs and they had a truly connected spiritual existence. But humans didn't have it because, because. we lost it in the first exactly. sin, basically, in, hmm. in his story. But but uh, I definitely, you know, that's what I was thinking the whole time. But I didn't want to bring <laughs> it up because... It's one of those um, stories that anytime I bring it up with people, most people um, haven't read it. But yeah. I really feel it is just well, absolutely Well, the stuff great. that C.S. Lewis wrote towards the end of his life is not as popular you right. know, in a widespread sense. Right. So but Yeah. I, I was thinking his protocol, it's like a seance, but for aliens. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it, 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 in... And I did some reading on the site as well, and in terms of what you do, like, literally it's the exact same procedure you would use to speak with aliens as you would to communicate with ghosts. So, really? Can, essentially, yeah. Does any of this procedure come to mind? Can you tell me what it is? Oh, well, essentially you, you're just sitting in a circle and visualizing whatever it is you want to contact. I mean, it, it's a... In some sense, it's a stretch to even call it a procedure. Like, that's kind of it. But that's very... that's how you do seances too. Right. That's how you do with essentially most magic or psychic, you know, phenomenon or or that sort of thing. That's essentially how it works. It's just concentration and imagination. It's very trancey. Yes, and not precisely. in and not in the EDM sort of way. <laughs> Right, and, and I mean, this is a group trance sort of situation, Right, but uh, that's the same with seances as well. You know, I've always wanted to be a part of something like that, but... Um... Yeah, it's hard to ask your friends, <coughs> well... hey, do you want to all come over and, you know, summon Abraham Lincoln or yeah, something? No, my, I've tried, but my friends never aren't, want to. My friends aren't going that route, but <laughs> I've always wanted to be a part of it, but I've always been kind of a little bit scared that my own skepticism is going to ruin it. Yeah, I can see that. And then it'll slowly drive my skepticism all the more. Yeah. It it is it it's hard to do most of those things for the same reason that meditation can be kind of difficult. Mm. You know, you you get into the don't think about what you're thinking, which is not thinking about it. Right. Kind of loop and then you know, you don't really get anywhere. Um, yeah, I've been I've been for the past couple of months trying to talk myself into trying mindful meditation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, yeah. I don't know. I just I can't uh, relax enough to do it. Although I I think I would benefit from it. <laughs> well, the thing I like to compare meditation to is like someone saying, "I think I'm going to pick up pole vaulting." You know, it's you're not actually going to be able to pole vault right off the bat. You know, for a long time, you're just going to be building up the muscles that are even going to put you into the same realm of possibility as being able to pole vault. And so it is with your brain. You're developing the faculty of concentration that is, in that specific way, alien to many people. Sean, I need more young, optimistic pole vaulters. In my life. <laughs> I, I really like your optimistic <laughs> attitude towards pole vaulting. 
Well, you know, the guy was infectious. Yeah. Was well, I mean, you know, jokes aside, point. you're you're right. You know, my wife and I have been talking about taking care of debt and making changes in our life. We're mm-hmm. we're at this point in our life where kids are moving out. There's a lot of big changes, and um, the comparison that I've been using is that every little step that we're doing is a grain of sand. And it may not feel like much, but eventually, once we move all those grains of sand, we'll have ourselves a nice beach, and yeah. we can hang out on it. Yeah. Well, as is That's usually the, the case, you have a story to share with me, and we'll Aliens see how I feel over about Cornwall. it. Cornwall. Cornwall, England. Yeah. That's it. That's no. That's, that's what you that's, have to tell that's me. That's not it. But uh, <laughs> there were several sightings of an alien craft over Cornwall by a number of different people over a couple of days in this last week. Um, it was very interesting. There, uh, by sightings, I mean there were videos, basically, mm-hmm. uh, oh. because it's 2017 and people carry smartphones with them wherever they go. So, you know, if, if there's a sighting and not an accompanying video, you know, the, the obvious question is, what, was your phone not charged? What were you doing? Right, right. But <laughs> um, it's kind of interesting looking. Uh, it appears to be a mass of swirling black smoke, but not like a cloud, sort of in an egg shape. Really? Yeah, it, it's it's very bizarre looking, just sort of rippling blackness around, you know, just in sort of a sphere traveling slowly across the sky. Hmm. Now, some people have said, okay, it could be a swarm of bees or starlings or something, but it, as I said, it was several people in several different places in the city over the course of several days, which would tend to rule that out. However, um... Not to dash the wonder and mystery of this so quickly, but it has already been blamed um, by many people as being uh, a hoax or a publicity stunt put on by a uh, basically an organization that's trying to promote tourism in Cornwall. Mm. Um, but, you know, they haven't claimed responsibility for this or, or any such thing, so... As they say, the truth is out there. I thought it's an interesting sighting, if only for the unusual video and the unusual shape of the craft. Yeah, I just saw an image of it. Um, yeah. It, it is interesting. And well, you've really got to see it in motion to get the idea. Yeah, yeah, there's <clears throat> there's two ways that we can really look at this. And, and one way is that it's a sighting, broad daylight. Sure. You know, and, and that's really kind of interesting. But on the flip side... It says something for people's interest in UFOlogy and UFOs and if there's another truth out there. Um, when a, I mean, I understand somebody who's trying to sell me shoes putting out a viral video. Right. But for the town of Cornwall in England yeah. to put out a viral hoax video <laughs> in order to get Come me to— Come to Cornwall, sh- we've got, you know, a smoke— spaceships <laughs> right right you know that that really lends itself to saying something like look at the popularity of the topic yeah well there were quite a few articles when i when i found this you know i didn't honestly have to look that long you know the tactic i often take is just you know go to google in the past week you know limit it by a, a set of times and just search for ufo sightings it's everywhere and 
well, the entire first page, pretty much, was sightings in Cornwall, you know, pretty much. Certainly all the local papers in Cornwall covered this event, and mm -hmm. UFO coverers such as us have covered it all over the world. So, Yeah, well, luckily for us, we're coming from more of a reporting entertainment standpoint, but yeah. I've seen a lot of people here recently damage their careers and reputations in ufology by latching on to some of these things too quickly in the beginning. Right. Um, and then they're disproven. Right. A big one that I'm sure you came across was the uh, the mummy, uh, the alien mummy on Gaia. Mm. And uh, lots yeah. of people have latched on to this, and it didn't take long for, for a lot of people to say that that there was some shady people connected to this, you know. And yeah. uh, so it's really kind of sad that we live in this world of, I I don't know, I hesitate to use the word because of the the political ramifications of it, but we live in this world of alternative facts, you know. <laughs> you know, part of me wants to make fun of alternative facts, but part of me knows that the government's doing it. Yeah. You know, and part of me knows that advertisers are doing it, you know, and and we're being just manipulated on so many levels, and I'm not even talking necessarily about ufology, but I mean, people... Yeah, I mean, our show is run on alternative facts. Yeah, you know, oh, totally. We, we yeah. talk about <laughs> subcultures who have their own, you know, versions of reality Right. every single week on the show. That's what we cover. That's our MO. <laughs> All right. Well, you've been listening to Radio Wasteland. I hope you've enjoyed the show, and check us out next week.